welcome to the Please Be Seated podcast. Um, today we're reviewing Pretty in Pink and I'm here with... Freya. So, um, just introduce yourself. Okay, um, I'm Freya Helen Mills. Um, I'm a filmmaker. I live in Hampshire. Um, I, I, uh, I met Luke because we both... Um, we made films, and they were both nominated for awards at um, uh, the House of Commons Film the House competition. It's just a really fun event, I thought. And you yeah. won. <laughs> so. But it's... Your, your, your film's won a few things, hasn't it? Um, yeah, I've been quite lucky in um, that case. That... And I feel like I'm relatively new to filmmaking. Like, um, I feel like I only started two years ago. Maybe maybe even less than that. Maybe a year and a bit. And um, so I've been looking in that instance. But I've had lots of my friends that have agreed to be my film, so that's quite lucky. So have you got any upcoming film projects you're working on? <laughs> Not really. I'd like to have another one done, but <laughs> I, I, I just haven't haven't really got round to the whole process of it, doing it again. So, wh- um, when did you first uh, experience the film Pretty in Pink? I I feel like the last time I watched it was about maybe a year and a bit ago, and. Um, that was kind of the first time I watched it, and um, it's my mum's favourite film. <laughs> I think she's very excited that we're doing a podcast on it, and um, I feel like my mum just wanted to introduce me to kind of the films of the 80s, and that kind of, how, how John Hughes films, they were kind of like a voice for the 80s, really. So are you, are you, are you a fan of several of his other works? Yeah, I am. I, um, I love um, Sixteen Candles and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I really love those two a lot. I'm a big fan of the Vacation films. Really, I haven't I haven't watched the Vacation films. Oh, they're I... they're great. Um, Chevy Chase classic stuff. I think that was one of the first lot that he wrote, 1983, based on a story he wrote for the National Lampoon magazine. But they they are very funny, sort of slapstick. Everything goes wrong. Mm. films i mean like most franchises they get worse later on and i think it's one of the few films that hughes has done a sequel to although Mm. um there's the the uncanny similarity between pretty in pink and some kind of wonderful um what what, do you consider pretty in pink your preference of the two or um yeah, I've got to say, I feel like Pretty in Pink is my preference. But that's the thing, isn't it? Lots of his films have, like, they've really influenced other people and lots of TV shows have stemmed from his films, which is quite interesting. But none of them are really as good as his, in my opinion. I haven't seen any of the TV series. Because yeah. they did Ferris Bueller, didn't they, and Weird Science? Yeah. I, I haven't seen any of them, but I've, I've been meaning to. It's, they're very hard to find. Mm. But I think they were quite big in the 80s, 90s and that. Yeah. And, of course, in 
um, I think, it, in my opinion, and several would say this, that um, John Hughes's films sort of got worse as um, John Candy passed away. Mm. Because they were best friends and yeah, the latest stuff. I mean, I still haven't seen um, Home Alone three. No, mm. I've seen the first one and the second one, but I've never seen the third one as well. No, it, yeah. it, it doesn't. I've I've got it. It's it's in my cupboard. It's just I've mm. never had the the interest to really see it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the kind of thing with franchises. Yeah, there, there, there's very few. I think one of the only franchises that keeps up throughout is the Lethal Weapon franchise. Mm-hmm. What is your um, favourite John Hughes film? Probably uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, but I, I do really enjoy Sixteen Candles. And yeah. Pretty in Pink's surprisingly low down for me. I think it's because I saw some kind of wonderful first. And that that's always ranked high. I had a conversation with the guy in, um, you know, the uh, CEX stores or Kex or whatever they're called. Um, secondhand um, media. I, 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 I don't, not really. No. Um, well, I think there are quite, quite a few around, but I don't know how easy they are to find. Um, but they're, they're always quite cheap DVDs and stuff. And I was down there today... Um, I, I only went in for one and I came out with six. Um, but uh, yeah, I was chatting with the guy behind the counter about the fact that I do prefer some kind of wonderful to Pretty in Pink. And apparently I'm not the only one, but it's an unpopular opinion. Yeah. yeah. I, I I guess so, yeah. I, I feel like, though, I was kind of the opposite because I watched Pretty in Pink first. And... Ages ago, I feel like I watched some kind of one before. I honestly, I can't really remember it that well. But I feel like Pretty in Pink was always the one that kind of mm. stuck in my memory. I was quite late into the John Hughes party, to be honest. I got into Hughes films just over a year ago, right? And I own most of them now. And there's a uh, a book I got in HMV all about John Hughes's life in film, which is very interesting. Right. From which I found out, I don't know if you're aware, that Some Kind of Wonderful was originally going to be about a teenage spy and it slowly became the reverse of Pretty in Pink. That's, that's... I can't imagine that as a spy. That's kind of funny. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so if we look more in depth into Pretty in Pink from now... um. Yeah. It was. It's considered Molly Ringwald's favourite among her own films, apparently, and really? it was filmed in the same high school that Grease was made in. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and for those who are unaware, Pretty in Pink is a. Um, oh great, I've lost my information. Um, those unaware, Pretty in Pink is a nineteen eighty six comedy, uh, romantic comedy from John Hughes, uh, uh, where. In the synopsis, according to IMDb, is a poor girl must choose between the affections of her doting childhood sweetheart and a rich but sensitive playboy. Yeah, yeah. It's on paper. It sounds like it wouldn't work, but mm. when you watch it, it does. It's it's one where it's it's you know the it's actually a quote from um, 
va- uh, from the vacation films where it is it's the journey that counts the beginning to the end is predictable but it's it's how you get from point a to point b that's important yeah i also feel like the music in pretty pink has a lot to do with how much i like it it's very iconic i feel kind of makes the film i feel like a lot of music makes movies feel like it's a very integral part to them Yes, def- definitely. It's integral to John Hughes' films as well, because you can see it in Ferris Bueller's Day Out and um, mm. even Alone in that, yeah. I mean, Breakfast Club with the uh, Don't You oh. Forget About Me. Oh, yes. In fact, I'm, I'm, don't tell me I'm the only one who noticed this. In the background of Ferris Bueller's room, there is a poster for Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Is it really? Yeah, I was watching Ferris Bueller not long ago and I noticed that and I gather Hughes put that in deliberately. Mm, like an Easter egg or something. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, he, he essentially made the original Easter egg of being the first to put a post credit sequence in a film. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really... If you were to make Pushing Pink again... What would you change? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a hard question. <laughs> yes. I'd, I'd like to see how it would work modernised, but I think mm. it'd need to be under the right hands. I would... Yes. I'd like to see Richard Curtis master Pretty in Pink. Really? Yes, well, it's actually it's very Bridget Jones, isn't it? It is quite, isn't it? Mm. So I suppose he's already done his Pretty in Pink. It's it's also directed by Howard Dutch, which is a name that I keep seeing reoccurring through everything, and I've just gone and had a look at what he's done. He's also done John Hughes' films The Great Outdoors and Some Kind of Wonderful, and he is currently directing episodes of Young Sheldon. I love Young Sheldon. I, I, I'm a bit behind on it. I've been, I think I saw like the first three. But... Yeah, I feel like... It's a show that you watch when it's on. But mm. <laughs> like, uh, now that I think about that, you can really see in like, Young Sheldon that it's very... It's got that authenticity of um, the 80s movies and that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, at the start of Pretty in Pink, we have... just need to find my notes. Um, did you have anything else to say about Pretty in Pink in general first, or...? Um, no, no. Um, so, at the start of the film, Andy, played by Molly Ringwald, wakes up her dad before going to school, and we can already see that it's not an ideal family situation. No, she kind of lives on the wrong side of the tracks, she? Yeah. And you can find that, and probably as a result of this, she is a very sort of controlling person, and I, I I think, you know, looking deeper into it, it probably is because she has to be in charge of her dad. Yeah. This. Yeah, um, and she's... The fashion of it, the fashion that she wears is quite interesting, if you look at it. That, she's quite cool, but she wears stuff that's quite more kind of upper class, I feel. Yeah. Or she tries to look a bit more upper class, which is interesting. It's very vintage. And she manages it. <laughs> I, I completely forgot about her background when watching it, re-watching it last week. And so it was 
it, it felt like I was watching it almost for the first time. I, I must have not been paying full attention when I saw it first time because <laughs> bits I remember, but other bits, they were very vague. Um, so yeah. through work, we see Andy meeting Blaine, and of course we see Ducky at school. So we're already oh. introduced to the two main. Yeah, sets it right off, doesn't it? And none of which are introduced as the most likeable characters, which I think is a, a, a good trait of John Hughes because he, he gives everyone their flaws. Yeah, I I didn't really... I, when I first watched it, I really didn't, like, warm to Molly Ringwald's character. I kind of thought she's a bit snooty, which is quite odd. And I feel like it's someone that, over the course of the film or over watching it again, you kind of, you warm to her more. And then you warm to her in other films because she kind of plays a new character, I feel, a lot. Like, in Sixteen Candles, I can kind of see... Andy in Sixteen Candles, so yeah, I I feel like I warmed to her after a little bit. I, I wasn't. I think Sixteen Candles was my first John Hughes teen movie. Really? I think it's so. One to start with. Um, have you ever seen the TV series Community? Mm-mm. No. No. Are you aware of it at all, or? No, not not at all. No, what it's is... um. It's from Dan Harmon, the guy who made Rick and Morty, and it's sort of that that sort of odd humour. But oh, it's yeah, it's I'm set in a community college, and almost every episode is a spoof of a film. There's one character who makes it really self-aware and refers to every year at his high at his college as being like a season of a TV show, which <laughs> it is. But the first episode, they're constantly referencing how it's like the Breakfast Club. In I think it's in one of the later seasons. They have a plate of hot dogs and they decide that they want to sit on the table and have them like in 16 Candles. So oh. that was sort of where I... I heard of 16 Candles. Then I saw it on Netflix and it held up. Yeah, I I really like that kind of writing from like Rick and Morty. It's really kind of meta, I guess. Yeah. And also it's kind of... I feel like um, Pretty in Pink and that is kind of instantly linkable to, do you know a show called My So Called Life? I've heard of it. I don't know yeah. much about it. Was it was kind of like Claire Danes and Jared Leto's kind of first TV show. And they did it together and it's really interesting. It's kind of, it's about teenager and um, it, it's all... Um, uh, internal dialogue which you hear and it's it's really interesting and it's kind of really fits into that kind of genre of teen movies yeah, yeah. I'm really surprised that a lot of my friends haven't gotten into community the only person I know who's seen it that I haven't exposed it to is there was a Canadian cover teacher in my school who I was having a conversation with him about particular actors and he just suddenly said, oh, I didn't like him when he was in Community and I was like, finally someone who's aware of it. Wow. Well, I haven't heard of it, so it, I, I will watch it. It's um, Joel McHale, I don't know if you're aware of him, uh, Gillian Jacobs, Alison Brie and Chevy Chase and I think I'm forgetting a few. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely watch that. That sounds really interesting. Mm. And so I'll get back to my notes because I keep losing 
This is always how the, how the podcasts work. I have a particular plan, and then it goes off, which I suppose is more interesting to listen to. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I'm I'm like that all the time. Right. Um. So. I have no idea what this auto. Oh, is it Ducky? Yes, yes. Ducky. My my auto correct corrected him to Sicky. <laughs> I'm not sure how. <laughs> So, oh, it's correcting. It's a, it's my nightmare. Like it will send text, and it will just be something completely different. I have nightmares about autocorrect. So Ducky, not Sicky, um, tried to get into a club uh, to see Andy, and although he can't get in, Andy ends up giving Ducky a ride back. Yeah. Which I think kind of gives us the sort of friend zone way he is in their relationship. They're really close, which is really nice. Then we have the one scene which I remembered as soon as you mentioned Pretty in Pink. The one scene I remembered was um, Andy and Blaine on the computer in the classroom. Yes, that's really, and that's very 80s, isn't mm. it? Right, with the huge computers, which is just kind of foreign to kids who, but, who are kids who watch it now. But in the same way, it doesn't take you out of it. No, it doesn't. It was very relatable. I feel if it was made today and it had modern computers and iPhones and that, people would still watch it because it's very, very relatable. Well, in in terms of things that existed and are, have been remade uh, recently, have you seen Heather's? Um, yeah, I, well, I've seen that that's getting remade. Yes, but... <laughs> The, the, the pilot episode has been released online in the US and there are a few websites that have streamed it. And it, and it works. It works really well. So I, I didn't realise that was a TV show. I thought that was going to be a movie. Yeah, Paramount of turning it into a TV series. It's very different, but it keeps yeah. the same sort of idea of it. But they've had to postpone it because of the Florida shootings. Oh, I, th- I think I'm one of the few people who prefers the Heather's film to the musical. I know. I, 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 compl- I hate musicals. Oh, I, 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 I love the musical. It's just I, I way prefer the film. Yeah. I, 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 such a, I, I don't know why, but I just can't sit through an entire musical without, you know, just getting... Either just getting bored or just, oh, just sitting there like, oh, no... It has Stop. to. I I really enjoy comedy musicals, but I think otherwise they're they're often a, a, a no for me. Um, Spamalot is interesting, but that's just because I'm a massive Monty Python fan. I've never seen Spamalot, but <laughs> that that is. Um, then there is, and this is probably very obscure. Either you know what I'm talking about or you don't. There's the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I heard a lot about that, but I haven't. I haven't watched um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I feel so uncultured around you now. <laughs> but, um, I, I I have too much time in my hands. When my film studies teacher tells me that our homework is to watch as many things as we can, I take that a bit too far. <laughs> yeah, um, it's like just sitting there binge watching. That's what I would be like. 
Yeah. Well, I keep no, going down to like secondhand DVD stores, and now I've got a voluntary shift in a charity shop, and I get to see all the DVDs that go in first. So uh, I, 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 I come back with like four or five things. So it's. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, like today, I went out to pick up one film. That was only, I think that was two pounds. I ended up spending seven pounds and buying six new DVDs. So. This is. That, uh, that's me though. That, oh. That's me. Uh, we used to have a blockbuster. Do you remember blockbusters when they? Ah uh, to... yes. I think I I rarely went, but I went when they shut and they were like ninety nine p each. Well, we used to have a blockbuster about four streets away from where we live, and um, oh, I used to spend so much time in blockbuster. Mm. It was my actual favorite place. And it was, it was so, and you just, you just come out with like six movies that you get to rent and mm. there's an Indian next door, so you'd order Indian and then you go into Blockbuster and that's what everyone did. And then they shut and it was the saddest moment in my life. I think, I think the last one in America has shut recently. No, that's so sad. Along with Toys R Us. No way. All, 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 I think all the Toys R Uses are shutting now. Ah, every every place that I love to go, it's, it's all closing down. It's mm. so sad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really sad. I I used to always go down to Toys R Us. They used to have a massive Doctor Who collection, and then they had like nothing after that. Oh, I love Doctor Who. I say yeah. I I I not been. I enjoy watching it. I haven't been in the obsessive Doctor Who mode. I was. I mean, I am going to see Chris Eccleston in Macbeth next month. Oh, which is going to be good because so whatever anyone says, Eccleston is the best Doctor. I know, but I'm you know I'm a huge David Tennant fan, and then okay, this uh, and then I was I was huge David Tennant fan, and then Matt Smith came along, and I was like, oh, who is this? He's going to be terrible. So I didn't watch it. I watched it for like two years, and then I went back and we watched all of Matt Smith's season. And I was like, oh, oh, Matt Smith has replaced David Tennant, but they're kind of equal at the moment. Did but, you, did, have you been watching the the last year's series? The last year. Yeah, um, last year series ten, Capaldi and. Oh, I didn't. I didn't like Capaldi, but I I think um um what's her name um. The new Doctor, oh, her name has... Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker, oh. I, th- I think she's going to be really good. She was just... great in Attack of the Block, if you've ever seen that. That's a... No. Oh, that, that's have... a great one. I studied that in film studies, so I know it forwards, backwards. <laughs> I had no, to I re-record the opening scene. So. Yeah, I, I think she's going to be... Re- I feel like a lot of it's going to stand on the writing of the next season. Mm. Yeah, um, good, then she'll be really good. What do you think of Nardole, Matt Lucas? I I liked his character, but I thought it was underused. Yeah, I just feel like his character never really got a chance to take off. He was just the comedy character, whereas Russell with Mickey managed to still give them depth. He was just yeah. comedy. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, uh, Capaldi's season was really interesting. Like, um, the one that's just been, because I really didn't like it, generally. And I thought all of Capaldi's other seasons have been alright. But this one, I just feel like it never got off the ground. That That's odd, because I, I kind of feel the reverse. I felt that um, Series 9, <clears throat> the last one with Clara, was rubbish. Which oh, is strange. Which is strange coming from me because I have a soft spot for Jenna Coleman, but mm, yeah, it's, I love Jenna Coleman. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I liked, I liked series nine. But when I look back at it in a sort of less just viewer and more of a analytical sense, yeah. it's it's yeah. not very deep. <laughs> I feel like Clara was quite more like for some people. Yes. I had a lot of people who loved Clara as a companion and some people who were just like, oh, I don't like her. Mm. And I, I, I was one of the people who loved Clara. I thought she was the yes, sweet. Yes, yeah. I didn't like the fact that Moffat killed her off and then brought her back the next week. Yeah, but Moffat has a thing of doing that, doesn't he? He kills off so many characters and then brings them back. I, if you uh, if you really watch it and then you count how many characters he killed, like it can just be minor characters that die in like the start of the episode and then somehow come back. He does it almost in every episode. It's um, yeah, it's it's become an annoying trope. Like with Clara dying and coming yeah. back, if first time seeing it, it was like okay, he's done that fine. But when you realise, binge-watching it, that you've only really gone 20 minutes without Clara, it yeah. loses the impact of the death when you re-watch yeah. Face the Raven and whatnot. He was kind of writing it, so it's a bit of a plot twist each week to week. But, no, I agree with you. I feel her death was really shocking in um, Face the Raven because it's quite unexpected. Yeah, it was sort of late series but not the yeah. end which and and because she was in in that episode she was like oh it's fine the doctor will save me um this isn't really the end everyone was like oh this isn't the end this always happens and then i thought that would be a brilliant time to actually kill her off mm. to have her come back i feel like the impact of that would have been better but then she did come back so so what what would you consider the best episode of New Who? New Who? Um, what, like, oh, that's hard. That's actually really hard. Um, hmm. I'm sort of for the emotional stuff. I really enjoy Father's Day and I love Vincent and the Doctor. Yeah. And after I found out that Richard Curtis wrote Vincent and the Doctor, it's just... Oh, I love that. I, I cried in that episode. Mm. I rarely cry watching something. Yeah. But, and uh, Karen Gillan is my absolute favourite companion. I mean, probably Donna comes next, but she wasn't really a companion for that long. But Karen Gillan, oh, I loved her. Yeah. <laughs> Clara and Amy were good, and I, I think Rory doesn't get as much praise as he deserves. No, he doesn't, no. We've gone about ten minutes off Pretty in Pink, so... Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and um, so, the computer... Andy's dad has announced that he's got a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels like ages ago we were discussing this now. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> yeah. 
the relationship between her and her dad is quite interesting because she's kind of the parent, really. Yeah. And she looks after herself a lot, which is quite interesting, I feel. Especially, you know, how, you know, you normally have it's a single mother and a child. That's normally how the films like to take a single parent. Yeah. And at least one of them are normally responsible, I'd say. Or if one goes off the rails, it's normally the mother. Thinking of films like Pay It Forward and yeah. another one. But I think it's very rare to have someone who's got a dad who's gone off the rails and they have to look after them. Yeah. I also feel like it's quite a John Hughes trait to have um, kids or teenagers in his films who are kind of kiddles, like... They're adults, but also really young and naive. Mm. But like, that's quite that's quite popular in his films. Well, talk talk about how we were in the house. Are you aware uh, that every house in a John Hughes movie has the same layout? Really? Every house, if you picture any house in a John Hughes film, when they open the door, it's the stairs straight up. That's so cool. I've never. I, 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 need to, I read um, it in a book, and then I realised. I think the main ones are Home Alone and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that it yeah. appears in. It's the opening bit in Sixteen Candles. Oh yeah. And I really can't remember Weird Science. <laughs> mm, no, I, mean, I, I don't think I've ever watched Weird Science. It's it's bad. not his best. It's really odd. Is it? Mm. I know. I know what it's about. It's about like, two teenage geeky boys, isn't it? Yeah, but the thing is, if they reversed the gender in Weird Science, yeah, then it would be really creepy because the fact that it's two teenage boys who grow a woman out of the computer and have a relationship with her. If it was a man out of the computer with two teenage girls, it would be considered really messed up. Yeah. I mean, it's still kind of messed up. It still up. is messed up. You watch it and you think, this film would never get past today. Yeah, but that's a lot of 80s films, mm. isn't it? A lot of films. 80s films, you like to watch them. And it's kind of okay if you think about the era that it was made in. But <laughs> released today, I feel like not a lot of them would pass. But yeah, Ducky and Andy discuss where their relationship is before they do homework together. And it, it doesn't end the way Ducky wants it, I don't think. No. No, it's really sweet though, Ducky. I feel I feel like I was really rooting Andy and Ducky to be so a few A few weeks ago you posted the iconic scene from Pretty in Pink. On... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Valentine's Day watching Pretty in Pink. It's a bit sad. Really, but who cares? <laughs> I can't what was I going to say? Oh yes, this is just a completely random tangent. When I was looking for your film afterwards, um, I came across some of the stuff on your website. Did you got the award from Interfilm, didn't you, as well? And yeah, yeah, that was really. Um, lovely. and I saw, and you're like, I think like the third person I've seen in the last month who mentioned Grand Budapest Hotel. So that oh, oh. I have ordered that, and that is due tomorrow. So I'll have you not watched? Oh, you need. Do you like Wes Anderson? Do you like his movies? Like I, I can't. I can't, I, I really know the name. I can't picture him, and I feel bad for that. <laughs> no, it's fine. He's like um, if we okay. If you like Grand Budapest Hotel, 
you should watch Moonrise Kingdom, which is another Wes Anderson directed movie. It's it's kind of the same vein. It's very symmetrical shots, you know. But I, in my opinion, I feel like Moonrise Kingdom is as good as Grand Budapest Hotel. They're, I love them so much. I love Wes Anderson so much. A few I've just got him up on IMDb. I don't think I've seen many of his, but I've I've heard of a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, he's. Um, what what was I gonna say? Yeah, I, I've ordered way too many films, so I don't know when I'll get around to watching it. Um, well, like I've just picked up the next film that my film studies class is doing. Have you ever seen it? District Nine. No, is that like an alien movie? Yeah. Yeah, apparently yeah, it's, I've heard about it. Apparently but... it's, like, represents racism and things. I've never seen it, no, but I've I've heard about it. Well, £1.50 on Blu-ray is never a bad price, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, 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 anyway, Pretty in Pink, that's where we were. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so, they discuss what their relationship is um, before doing homework. Then, um, Blaine, uh, Blaine and Andy plan a date... Yep. And then I've just put Ducky Dancers in the Shop, which was the bit we were talking about earlier, which is sort of properly saying how important the music is in John Hughes's films, because that's yeah. the bit that people remember. That, yeah, that's the really iconic part of it, I'd say, yeah. I think John Hughes is one of those few directors who sort of incorporates his own music library into his films. Yeah. Yeah, I... and also like music was really important in the time that it was made. Well, I believe John Hughes owned a music production company as well. Really? Because on a lot of the DVDs and on the back, you know, where it lists the director and everything, it often says soundtrack available through Hughes music through Hughes Music. Which... Oh my gosh, I didn't realise so... that. But not um, to be mistaken um, with uh, John Hughes, who is the um, the producer of the CDs um, by the cause, and he's the cause manager. But there's a different different John Hughes. I see. It's my my taste of music is completely out of. Yeah, I don't know if you're even aware who the cause are, but I'm not. I'm not. Sorry. They're no, a, they're, they're a sort of folk pop band from the '90s Irish um, family. Uh, Have you ever seen the commitments? Um, yeah. Um, they started through there. Um, Andrea Core played the younger sister of the main character. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I really love how music is incorporated into John Hughes films, and that dance is really. I love that dance, especially because the whole dance was improved by um, uh, uh, John Cryer. Um, do you play Ducky? Oh, is it? The I didn't... entire dance. Which is so funny. Because I look at it and I feel like, oh, that must have been rehearsed to hell. But it wasn't. It's completely improv. Well, some of the most memorable moments in films are improvised. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say the most famous is The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the Here's Johnny line, which sort of is how people know the film. Um... I th- I think another director who uses a lot of soundtrack in his works and his own music is uh, Richard Curtis. Yeah, 
Mm. I go on a lot about Richard Curtis. I really like his stuff. Um, it's 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 the one of the um, often I I don't mind chick flick films, but if it's a Richard Curtis movie, I will really enjoy them. I think yeah, I love Notting Hill. Mm. I love Notting. Yes, I have. I have the soundtrack for Notting Hill, which is really great to listen to. Because you don't realize how how great the music is in it until you listen to it, and you can just picture it. The soundtrack to Love Actually is really good as well. Oh, Love Actually, yeah. I mean, including yeah. Bill Nye's great song. Yeah, I love his songs. They're great. Like Four Weddings and a Funeral is really good. Have you seen About Time? Yes, I have. Um, that's the one where he uh, he goes into the closet, doesn't he? Mm. And he go- he goes back in time. Yeah. I I love that movie. <laughs> really? I think it's my favourite Richard Curtis film because it it's got something in it for everyone. It's not just the typical rom com. It's got enough sort of the time travel thing, and I think it's one of the first films where people can you know, relate and feel upset for a character played by Bill Nye because his normal type of character isn't really one for people to like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got Donald Gleeson in it, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. They're making a film that I saw the trailer... I can't remember what it's called, but I saw the trailer for it the other day. It's American. And I completely thought they had stolen the uh, storyline of it. Because it's like a guy who, um, it's, it's like a bathroom he goes, no, it's like, um, yeah, it's something like a bathroom he goes into and he comes out and goes back in time to win a girl's heart and it's a bit like, oh. Oh, I think I know, There's there was one on um, Netflix recently, I can't remember what it was called, where it was about a photo booth. That's it, yeah. Bathroom? What am I thinking? It's photo booth. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, really I... enjoyed it, but I never finished it. Um so Andy yeah. thinks she's been stood up until she sees um, Blaine at the door. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is a very big sort of drop in in the film because we do sort of feel for her at yeah. that brief moment. Yeah, and I feel like I like Blaine, but my heart is with Ducky. <laughs> Of course. And just to rush way ahead, I yeah. do not like the ending. Yeah. Sorry? I said just to rush way ahead, I do not like the ending. Yeah. No. Quite common in John Hughes films. Like, some of them have endings where you feel like everything's come full circle and you're really satisfied with the ending. But I think most of him are... This has happened, and oh look, now are the credits. Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel. A lot of his films are like. Or they're like, really, really rushed. Like, have you seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? No. The ending of that feels really, really rushed. Later on. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah, I feel. I feel. The ending is quite odd. Yeah. It's no, also, I agree. It's also it's odd not... how our memories are with John Hughes films. I watched Home Alone again recently, and the bits everyone remembers, all the traps and everything, the yeah. traps only start 20 minutes before the end of the film. Really? Yeah. In my head, they're like the entire film. Mm. It's all like the bits of him shopping and his parents trying to find him and everything that takes up. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I love Home Alone. It's a great Christmas movie. Mm. Also, yeah. Like, there's also the debatable Christmas movies as well. Like, do you consider Gremlins or Die Hard to be Christmas movies? Oh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Oh, I watch that every Christmas. That is a Chris- that is certified Christmas movie. Christmas for me goes Love Actually. Die Hard, Home Alone, um, uh, love, uh, Little Women. Um, let me think what else. Mine has to feature Blackout as Christmas Carol. Really? Mm. I, I, I'm really big in the Blackadder things. I love Blackadder. We were, we were watching that in history the other day. <laughs> um, Ducky does not seem to like... Um, the idea of Andy going out with Blaine. No. And then I've got the whole thing about how they go on their date, they don't particularly know where to go, and so they decide to go to a party, which Blaine is very controlling in this. Yeah. Yeah. And the like, fact that Andy's seen controlling as well, it really makes him feel extreme. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, and you maybe, I guess you can kind of see why she's attracted to Blaine. Because she's kind of everything that she wants to be, I guess, in a way. But, I don't know. And in I the same know. sense, she doesn't have a, um, I only just realised she doesn't have sort of a responsible male figure mm. and I suppose that's what she sees in Blaine yeah yeah that he's got everything kind of you know he's got everything kind of right and she doesn't really have someone to tell her who the good guys are and the bad guys and uh, yeah there's, yeah there's the whole scene at the party where Blaine's hands remain in his pockets which I that's the one bit I do remember. Really oddly, I didn't remember exactly, but I knew that pretzels were involved, which seems <laughs> odd. <laughs> I was watching a scene and then an image of pretzels came in my head and I thought, there must be something relating to pretzels, and there was. <laughs> but I think there are so many bits that I get mixed up pretty in pink and some kind of wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, like, apparently... Um, there, are you aware of the uh, the Mandela effect? Yes. Oh, that's so creepy. Have you heard about the one with Big, the Tom Hanks film? No. Um, several people, and they figured out why, but several people um, remembered an ending too big where the girl who he's with manages to become a child as well, and then they go, and she... Uh, becomes like his girlfriend when they're the same age and it turned out that there was another film that came out around the same time as Big that had a very similar premise and people mixed the two films up yeah no for ages I thought that same thing uh, because yeah yeah I thought that same because I saw both Big and whatever I can't I can't remember I think it was it was like it wasn't 13 going on 30. I think it was like 14 going on 40 or something really... <laughs> yeah. I heard it, it on Hey Do You Remember. I haven't seen the other film, but I feel like... Yeah. 
No, for ages I thought the premise of Big was that they were two kids who had been turned into adults. And then I rewatched it and again, I was like, oh, I, I'm completely wrong. What is this? This is so odd. I feel like body swap films are sort of a guilty pleasure. They're, they're, they're films that shouldn't work, but do. But they do, and they're just they're fun to watch. Really. 17 Again. I, I love 17 Again. Oh, Zac Efron. Yeah, is that the Zac Efron yeah. one? To be honest, yeah. I, I, I watched it for Michelle Trachtenberg. She plays <laughs> um, the sister, I think. Yeah. Um, but but she, she was the reason I watched it, but I really enjoy 17 again. It's one of those films that shouldn't work, but it does. But it does. Uh, whoa, it's a, it's a boy-girl thing is another good one. Have you ever seen that? I haven't, no. But, um, yeah, um, no, I, I, I have so many films from this that I need to watch now. Um, and then they go to a sort of, it's sort of a bar or a nightclub or something where they see Ducky. Oh, yeah. Um, and we find out that Andy doesn't want Blame to see where she lives. Because sort of in her head, her her persona at school and with her friends is very different to that of her home life, which I think is something we see. Yeah, which is kind of it's kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? I just find that I do find that really sad. That she's she's trying to be someone she isn't. Sorry, my dog's being a bit nuisance. My, 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 mine is the same the moment anyone walks past the house. No, yeah, that's what he's doing. He barks at nothing. We think he sees ghosts or something. Oh, that, that's exactly the same. With, 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 he'll just start looking around and chasing things and it's like, what's, what, what's he seeing? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Blaine asks her out to the dance, which I realised I didn't put in my notes that she was after someone asking her to the dance. Mm. And almost instantly after, we see Andy trying to phone Blaine, and she can't get through to him. He doesn't respond. Yeah, yeah. Which once um, again is John Hughes does really well with sort of the the drop between, you know, it's all going wonderfully, but. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he has a lot of. Interesting John Hughesy tropes, which you can instantly <coughs> like. You watch a film and you can instantly tell it's a John Hughes film. I I guess the same is kind of for Richard Curtis as well. Yeah, you can tell between the two which films are theirs like when you watch them. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, Tim Burton's known for it. I haven't seen that many Tim Burton films. But it's kind of I, I love Beetlejuice. Um, oh, who, who, yes. who else is? I love Helen Bonham Carter. She's brilliant. The the only I think there's only one film I've seen of this one director, but I know all of his films are very similar. Is Michael Gondry? Michael Gondry. Have you ever seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? It has been a film I have been like trying to watch ages. But haven't ever gotten around to watching. It, it, it is amazing. I would I would consider it 
as from there's the films I like because they're funny but shouldn't work, but yeah. from from a sort of film analytical point of view, Eternal Sunshine is like right up there. Really. Mm. Okay. I'm not sure um, where. I always say my three favorite films very different: National Lampoon's Vacation, Lethal Weapon, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Okay. Which is very odd. Have, have, have you have you seen any of the Lethal Weapon films? No. 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 They're good. Every Should time I mention Lethal Weapon, people think of the TV series, though, which kind of annoys me. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. So then uh, we find that Andy's dad has bought her a dress. Oh, it's, it's, it's heartwarming, though, isn't it? Yeah, because we... But does he... Did I miss something? Does he ever actually answer where he got the money from? I thought... I thought he had... Um, had he been, like, saving up for it at work? I can't... I'm at a loss to remember it, too. I'm just going to... Let me Google it. Um, um, what it's saying here... You know, it's not coming up with anything, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah, six reasons why Blaine was the worst boyfriend for Pretty Pink. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I'm sure there are more than six reasons. Oh. Oh, um, why didn't she end up with Ducky? I know. I feel like they wanted that to be the ending, so everyone after the film was like, why didn't she end up with mm. Ducky? Well, what? to be honest, that could have happened outside of the film, after the film. Yeah. Which I think he kind of writes that wrong, almost, with some kind of wonderful. Because if I rem- I'm not good with character names, but he ends up with his friend in the end, I think. In, in which... Um... In some kind of wonderful. Oh. I think. Yeah, and there are so many... He puts so many subplots into his movies that um, it makes it totally believable that after the movie finishes, it just kind of carries on, the world carries on. Because he, he makes really interesting um, worlds in his movie, movies, and I, I think that's... Yeah, that's it's a shame cool. that the only thing is the fact that he has the same cast in loads of them means that there can't be so many theories about them all existing in the same world, which I'd love to hear. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure there are. Yeah, yeah there must be. So everyone says Disney movies, they all... Do you believe that? I think it could work. That they all live in the same world. Mm. I feel I feel like it could. But then... Um, the relationship of, like, um, Pink and Sixteen Candles <laughs> wouldn't really work. If they're in the same universe. Yeah. But, no, no, it could. It definitely could. They could all be in... Yeah, all in the same universe. I've just found this website, which is just dedicated to John Hughes films, and I'm just in awe. (laughs) It's called Griswoldworld uk because uh, the Griswolds are the families from National Lampoon's Vacation. And um, 
So there's the whole thing of where are they now was the latest. I don't know when these were posted. Um, oh, 2010, so oh, nothing new is coming. It's If I watch a film from 2010, I'll consider it recent. If I see a YouTube video or a website, it's ancient. Yeah. Which, yeah. if I see a film like any point in the 2000s, I consider it recent, and then I realise how old I was when it came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like, I help with my family in this uh, community cinema for the elderly uh, once a month. And um, they're always asking for, like, new films. And I consider um, one of the films we're doing next from 2005 to be a new film. But, yeah, I, I, you know if you've ever seen it, Keeping Mum? No. Oh, that is brilliant. Um, is Ro- Rowan Atkinson and Maggie Smith, where um, Maggie Smith plays this um, sort of caretaker character who comes to look after this family and solves all their problems in a sort of Mary Poppins fashion. But then you find out the way she's solving their problems is by killing the people that cause them. Oh. And it's sort of like a, a really sort of... It's a black comedy, but it's really light as well, and it's just a fun watch. Um, so. like, I'm definitely watching that. That sounds brilliant. Mm. Patrick Swayze's in it as well. Um, oh, who else? I can't think who else. Um, Tamsin Egerton. It was one of her first films. Okay. Um, I hope I'm close enough to my microphone. I just realised I'm looking so much over here. Um, right. So, Andy waits for Blaine, and when she finally sees him in school, they have a major argument. And yeah. we find out that Blaine asked someone else to the prom and forgot about it. Oh. Oh, Blaine. Oh, I don't like him. We never oh. find out who it is, do we? <laughs> who we asked out. To the who we asked got asked out to the prom or asked, or no. whether whether there was or whether that was his attempt to break up with her. Yeah. Which it, it could be. We don't we don't see how they turn out together in the end. We don't yep. see their conversation. Yeah, which is one of the unsatisfying endings that John Hughes does. It's like not every character we get to see how they turned out really. But it's quite odd. We want to see the endings, but then we know if there was a sequel, it would be considered rubbish. Yeah, it would be terrible. Because um, there's, there's, there's so much room for expansion on the characters, but there's not enough room for another story. I no, don't think. yeah. Um, oh, what was it? Didn't John Hughes originally intend uh, 16 Candles to be a franchise? I'm think, not sure. I think I read that he was going to do 16 Candles every 16 years. <laughs> I think I read that. I'm going to try and have a look. It's just... Um, there's a frozen yoghurt company called 16 Handles, apparently. That's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> you're, you're, you're seeing the same thing. Um... <laughs> Wait, 16 Candles um, geek pop vinyl figure? I didn't know. Wait. Oh, it, Oh, you can get um, loads of pop vinyl stuff. I haven't seen any of the 16. I'm now looking at frozen yogurt. Yeah, wh- why is there more for frozen yogurt than the film? <laughs> 16 Handles franchise. 
Wait, sixteen candles is racist and sexist. It is what comes up here. Um, mm. I, I I agree with the racism part. Definitely. I mean, just if it was released today, it mm. wouldn't. I it would be banned. Mm. I feel, but the fact that it's kind of been released in the eighties and it's kind of had that time to ferment. Everyone's like. Oh, such a good movie. But if it was released today, I, I don't think it would. No, it's, well, that, that, that character, I forgot his name, he, he doesn't have any relevance to the plot of it, really. No. No, but he, he, that's really John Hughes, isn't he? He makes all of these different characters and then gives them kind of that own subplot. And it just, you know... It's kind of like, if you don't like the main character, you're definitely going to like one of the other characters. Mm. Um, Iona is in a relationship. And... Oh, that's where we're going. We're talking about her character and how they're all written so well, yeah. Yeah. That's where we were. I don't want to start that again, because we'll end up back where we were. Um, Andy goes to prom on her own, um, which I think is a very brave move from Andy. Yeah. I guess it's quite different for, you know, those kind of movies which always get quite happy endings. Yeah. The the amount of um, classic 80s movies as well, especially the prom bit here, that feel like clichés before you forget that it was the original before it became a cliché. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen um, Animal House. No. But that is basically the original... Um, the original college movie. Oh. And so I watched that for the first time recently. And you watch it and it's like, that, you know, this is such a cliche, you know, typical partying, drinking, all, all of the, like, typical games and ideas of a college movie. Then you realise that it's only become a cliche because of the success of Animal House. I, yeah. In fact, I think this, this off, a, off a complete tangent, is, is, is there any film that you've seen so... Highly recommended, and people like uh, that. When you've watched it, you've been sort of really disappointed with, which I think is an interesting discussion. Hmm. Um. Uh, I would say, for me, the most highly recommended, highly you know, five stars. It's classic. I thought I would love it. Was Star Wars. <laughs> yes, I, I, I stand by that. And I watched it, and it, I hated it. I think and I've I seen what? most of them, and I can appreciate that people like them, but I can't get anything out of it myself. No, right? I mean, I, you know, I sit there and think, oh, maybe it has something to do with the fact that um, I'm watching them late or something. I, I, I don't know. I just... I couldn't see why everybody loved them so much. For me, it's Caddyshack. Caddyshack? Have you seen Caddyshack? No, yeah. It's, there are a couple of laughs, but it, it's not as hilarious as everyone has said. And I've no. really tried to force myself into Caddyshack. I've seen it two or three times. Every time I watch it, it's just sort of, it's a thing. Um, the sequel, I couldn't even finish. And the the only thing I got out of it is... Have you ever listened to Movie by Minute podcasts? 
movie by minute. Yeah, basically yeah. each episode they analyse a minute of a film by at a time. And I listened okay. to about the first ten of Caddyshack, which is odd because there are about three episodes just about the opening credits. But they managed to... That, that, that was kind of interesting. But uh, I can't appreciate Caddyshack, which really annoys me. I think... I don't know if I would have loved it more had people not recommended it to me and I'd found it myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I Every film that I've... You know, I've seen the trailer, I've been like, oh, this is a film. I'm going to love this film. Can't wait for this film to come out. I wait. I mark the days off. It comes out. I watch it. I'm like, oh, that wasn't very good. No. That didn't up to my expectation. Or in reverse, there have been one that people have said is rubbish and you've watched it and enjoyed? Um, what's one people thought was rubbish? A lot uh, of people said to me that The New Kingsman was rubbish, but I really liked it. I liked that, but not as much as the first one. No. Because I loved the first one. and um, But I don't think... I don't think the quality of it was bad. No. I, you know... I enjoyed watching it. I uh, yeah. Some of the scenes were a bit gruesome. They they but... they they the thing that they got wrong with it. I've said they too many times. The thing they got wrong with it um, is a lot of people, and it, myself included, didn't like the 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 crude humour in the first one, and they mm. they took that a bit too far in the second one. I think. Yeah, I feel like they got away with the humour in the first one and then saw that they got away with it and then just pushed it. They assumed uh, that that was what people liked in it. One thousand, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, it was bad, but, you know... It wasn't needed. That was my mother watching it. Yes. Like, <laughs> same, same experience. I think it was because... um <laughs> it's films that you want to watch with your mate. I I think it's the same sort of... The, the reason they put it in, I think, is probably because with Channing Tatum, they probably had a lot of the Jump Street audience. Yeah. And I like Jump Street. Not for, for, for the... Well, that's one which really takes the typical tropes. I think there's several sort of John Hughesy jokes in the first Jump Street. You know, I've never watched any of the Jump... Oh, all of these films I've never watched. Yeah. They are... <laughs> I can't remember why I saw them. Because obviously they become famous through the My Name is Jeff thing. Yeah. Um, which is just one line in the second film. But, like, yeah. in the end, they take the mick out of sequels and there are about... At the end, there are about 10 to 20 adverts and fake trailers for the next 20 Jump Street films. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen that on YouTube. And there's, I think in the foot, there are several references because they're going undercover in a high school. There are several references to you're not a teenager, you look about thirty, which is definitely a sort of tongue-in-cheek to most modern teen movies where yeah. the actors the are actors adults, like which is a great thing that John Hughes actually cast real teenagers. Yeah, and I yeah today I look at John Hughes's films. I'm like, oh, he can't do that. He looks about twelve. I'm like, yes. oh wait, but that's what that's what kids at my school in like sixth one look like. And you know, in like sixth one, they they look that age. And I'm so used to 
14 year olds look yeah. like 24 year olds that even I 14 years old I'm like oh but that's what 14 year olds look like in movies yes I stand with that as well I think hmm. yeah so you know to go back to the movie Big which I watched really recently oh I haven't seen it in years well okay Watch that film recently and think about the relationship between um Yes. Um oh, the older woman and um uh Tom uh, Hanks' guy. Sorry? The who the guy Tom Hanks plays, isn't it? But Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah. And that, watch hmm. that and think that Tom Hanks is a twelve year old. Like it's... like it's and like, that it's kind of odd. It's like weird it's science odd. again. It's just, yeah. I I heard a discussion about Big on a podcast I was listening to the other day, but where they went very deep into that because when people look at that now, when people watched it as a child, it's not really something you think about. You don't really yeah. even know what's going on <laughs> as a child, but yeah, it's a sweet movie about kid who's an adult and they do all the fun adult stuff. Also, think about the mother. I know. She's just going through a horrible time where her child's <laughs> gone missing and is replaced by this guy who claims he is her child. It's, yeah. It's the weirdest thing when you look at it in retrospect. Um, Andy goes to prom. She sees Ducky at the prom and um, goes with him. Yeah. And then the completely unexpected ending. Um, Ducky tells her to go with Blaine as he went oh. alone after all. And then Ducky meets a girl played by Christy Swanson. Yeah. But, oh, but no, but they sh- Andy and Ducky should be together. <laughs> but Ducky is too nice. This, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. And why? I know. I mean, the movie would be heartbreaking if it didn't have its humour. Which, I'm glad it did, otherwise uh, people would be bawling all the way and through I, it. I like the fact that in several of Hughes' comedies, it just keeps it light. It doesn't make it all big laugh-out-loud moments. It just keeps the yeah. drama at level. But when he yeah. wants to make a laugh-out-loud comedy, he manages it as well which I think yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, two people whose work, I think, are very similar, John Hughes and Chris Columbus, and they work together on Home Alone. But a lot of those films, I sort of get the two mixed up, I think. They're very similar styles. I mean, take a look yeah. like... I, I could picture Mrs Doubtfire being done by John Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, but I also think you can... Like, there's quite a difference... Between most John Hughes films and then Home Alone, yeah. which Christopher Columbus, because I feel like Christopher Columbus makes films that much innocent. Yes. He makes them a bit more. Yeah, you know, whilst John Hughes, I feel like. Well, like Columbus is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not big in um, awareness of the franchise, but Columbus's Harry Potter films were quite the light ones, weren't they? Yeah, they were like the Disney ones, and then Columbus went, and I think it was. Alfonso Cuaron, who did Prison of the Azkaban, which is my favourite. <laughs> and 
new. Yeah, I like I like Azkaban and the last three. My si- my sister knows a lot more about them. I watch them and enjoy them, but I can't remember much. So there's a segment which I call film retitling, where we try and come up with another title that you could give the film. Um, okay. I think a lot of John Hughes' movies film titles do come from the music. Yeah. Was yeah. Pretty in Pink written for Pretty in Pink, or...? I... I'm not sure. I am going to Google that while you come up with your title. Um, hmm. What would be another good name for Pretty in Pink? Hmm. <laughs> this is really hard. Um... The film was named after the song, so the song came first. Ah. He did that with Weird Science as well. Okay. Um, I don't know, what would you call it? I'm still thinking. Why why haven't I thought this? I've literally had about a month to think this through, but I haven't, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh. Pretty and um... It's, it's, it's so hard. Like, it could be... Like, I want it to be something simple, but then I also want it to be... What, why wasn't Ducky appreciated enough? <laughs> Which would just be a rubbish title for a movie, but... <laughs> yeah. The Adventures of Ducky. Stuck Without Duck. That'd be a good title. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with that. It's a bit cheesy, but I think it's the best I can come up with on the spot. <laughs> that's yeah. Better than anything I could come up with. So, what would you? I can't remember if you said this earlier. Um, what what was your first John Hughes film? Um, yeah, I think it was. It was Pretty in Pink. Yeah, because it was my mum's favorite. Uh. Mm film of all time, my mum's favourite film of all time, and then oh, it's Pretty in Pink, um, Ferris Bueller's Dale, 16 yes. Candles. I mean, Ooh, the, the first one was probably either Home Alone or Ferris Bueller, but the first one I was aware I was watching a John Hughes movie would have been 16 Candles. Yeah, because it's really like Pretty in Pink, yeah. Because when I sat and watched um, 16 Candles, I think it was probably just over a year ago, and I saw the yeah. name John Hughes. I was like, I know this uh, guy's name. Where do I know his name? And yeah. there we go. Here we yeah, are we now, did. having spent nearly two yeah. hours talking about him. So uh, I think well, I really okay. wish John Hughes had lived to see this legacy. <laughs> I know. I feel like he would have loved this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be odd if John Hughes was alive and listened to the podcast? <laughs> Do you think he'd be the sort of person who would? I think he's aware enough of his fans that he would listen to things and read reviews and stuff. And Yeah. Yeah. Well... Do you think I... John Hughes would be as successful today as, as he was I... in the 80s? No. No, I feel like some of the premises of his films wouldn't be able to relate 
I, it, I think it kind of depends what kind of movies he would make today. Yeah. Like, if he would make relatable movies for teenagers in the 21st century, I feel like he would be really successful. But if he were to um, release it, kind of like the movies that he released in the 80s today, I, 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 feel, I don't feel like they would be able to. I don't... Kind of... I don't think a premise like The Breakfast Club would be picked up. No. Because, I mean, they, they, they gave him a, a million dollars, and which is, you know, tiny budget. Yeah. And it was just one room, straight through. I think at that point, relatively unknown cast. Because yeah. 16 Candles, although came out before, was made after Breakfast Club. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So now really... finished discussing the film, um, where can people find you and your films and or social media or whatever? Um, um, social media wise, I have a Twitter account, um, uh, which I think is just Freya Hannon Mills, and an Instagram account which is just Freya Hannon Mills, and. Um, all of my my films should be on my Twitter, and it all if they're not, they're on Vimeo. Listeners can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero, on YouTube at Bottle O Productions. You can find the show on Twitter at excuse the pun, please be tweeted, and on Facebook just search for please be seated. Thanks so much right. for letting me on your podcast. Thank you. It's been so nice to talk to someone who's had as obsessed as I am with films. Yes. Alright, bye. Bye.